I'll now turn over to Rosemary Jay. Um, thank you very much. Um, I, I'm not giving a plug for the book because it's not actually written yet, but I am just about to do the chapter on the exemption. And I would like to, the, the journalistic exemption, I'd just like to say um, the, the opening line of that chapter says you should not use data protection to take on the media unless you have deep pockets, a robust constitution, and a very favourable life expectancy. <laughs> uh, uh, so I would echo uh, David's point that the, the exemption is enormous. It is designed to ensure that the Data Protection Act was not used to deal with the media. Um, and I think the other point around that is that that has been coupled increasingly over the last, I think, about five to seven years with a policy from the Commissioner's Office not to regulate the media. Um, and I think you can see that in the Kordowski case. Uh, with all respect to the Commissioner's Office, uh, Lindquist, which was the case where the lady from, I think she was from Sweden, put her information out on the web. 2005, the court said, yes, she's caught by data protection. I don't think there was any justification at all for saying solicitors from hell was not caught by the data protection act. It was clearly put out on the internet for public use. And I think that that, that was not, you know, it, not a very sensible approach, frankly. But I can understand the policy and, and I kind of respect it from that point of view. Um, and I think that the problem there is obviously the mainstream media, but I think that, that what I would like to do is kind of develop that idea and perhaps pick up some of David's thoughts uh, around this. So I think what we have to start from in the UK is yes, data protection does not touch the media. Now, it's clear from some of the dicta in some of the cases that, that the courts are beginning to recognise that in fact data protection could do so in, in Murray and Big Pictures. Um, in the, it was the Court of Appeal, the, the, the comment when they decided to allow the appeal and said it was a, an allowable case, Murray is the, the, the photograph of J.K. Rowland's little boy. Um, they said, actually, if, there was a, if this was um, unlawful and a breach of Article 8, yes, it would be unlawful under the Data Protection Act and it would be potentially um, actionable under data protection and they actually made noises about damages and the breadth that the court might take towards damages. Uh, I got very excited about it and, and the big pictures settled, I have to say, but there you go. Um, but I would make this point, the fact that data protection law in the UK has, has left the field of, of media regulation um, and journalistic regulation does not mean that we have no law. We have had over the last 10 years an extraordinary growth of law around media, journalism, publicity and privacy, where the two rights that are being adjudicated are the right of freedom of expression and the Article 8 right to respect for private and family life. And the courts have gradually uh, you know, built inch by inch, stone by stone, uh, a regulatory structure which is vibrant and which is robust and which is, which is very powerful. Um, so far, so good, but clearly the problem around that is that while that may give comfort to the Max Mosleys of this world or the J.K. Rowlands of this world, those people whose lives whose privacy is invaded by the mainstream media, uh, it's a bit like the Battle of the Olympians, really. And for that whole area of, of, of new media use, of the blogs, of the little websites, 
of, of the stuff that goes up on Facebook or on YouTube, those, the people who are affected by that cannot have that kind of redress. They're not J.K. Rowlands, they're not Max Mosley, they can't go to court for those. Um, I, I depart from David very strongly on the view that, that this form of expression is not journalistic, is not freedom of expression. Um, I am as sure as eggs is eggs that there is some case law, and I think it's Strasbourg case law, but I'm struggling to pluck it out of the air, that says no, you know, freedom of expression means freedom of expression. It is not just mainstream journalism, it's not just the mirror. So if anyone else wants to come up and say, Rosemary, it's such and such a case, then I should be very grateful because I can't bring one to mind, but I'm sure there is. <laughs> it's come to me. You say it's not freedom of expression, it's not journalism. No, but journalism, it's, it's, it's the essence of Article 9 is that, is that the right that is protected by Article 9 is the right of freedom of expression. Any interpretation of that article, albeit that it refers specifically to those three types of free speech, which is what the sort of, sort of Strasbourg case talks about in political speech, you know, commercial speech, artistic speech, and so on, I think you have to interpret it as supporting freedom of expression. And I think that's the real dichotomy, but I shall... I shall so you can come back. It's not the totality. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let me, let me say, let me then just move on to the kind of main point that I wanted to make. I think... The one of the significant problems that you have in terms of data protection and, and I would say freedom of expression, I think is where we ought to be looking at, not just journalism or artistic. We ought to be talking about freedom of expression, about that right, which is, which is then being, being used. Uh, I think one of the problems that you have with data protection is that it is, as it were, a codified rule-based um, rule-based system. So when you look at the case law that's developed in the UK that, that very much reflects the Strasbourg jurisprudence, you are looking at two rights which are which which may be in opposition in certain circumstances, a right to respect for private life and a right to freedom of expression. And the courts have a mechanism for, for balancing those for saying, are those rights engaged? Neither of those rights is preeminent. You must look at the public interest in both of those. You must look at the proportionality, the level of invasion, uh, and come to a fair balance in a, in a democratic society respecting both of those rights. That actually is something that the courts, I think, have established a mechanism for doing in the case law over the last 10 years in, in the UK. Where it seems to me one meets a, a real problem in data protection is that you have a, a kind of a, a, a rather more incohate right of freedom of expression being dealt with by a very codified bureaucratic set of rules. So, for example, um, if I, if I perhaps take as a, the, the, the kind of, um, just a, a couple of, of examples that I, that I was thinking about. Uh, in the Max Mosley case, for example, the European Court at Strasbourg said no intention, no obligation to give notice of an intention to publish, even where there's no public interest in the publication of the information. There was clearly no public interest in the Mosley case. If you apply data protection rules to that, 
he would have had to have notice. There's no, you couldn't even have got the journalistic exemption for that because you would have failed the public interest test. So I think, I think there's a kind of gap uh, around that. Um, uh, and it, it seems to me that when one looks at applying data protection to how it deals with freedom of expression, there are really three issues. And I, and I apologize, this is a bit rambling. I've really struggled to try and put some, some sequence into my thoughts, and I apologize if I haven't quite made it. I think there are three issues. One is the standards that we are applying. Are the standards in data protection the, the right ones for regulating freedom of expression? The second is the question of enforcement powers. Do particularly punitive powers under data protection regimes have a chilling effect on freedom of expression? Uh, I mean, I think the answer to those first two is the standards are not, the standards would need amending and the punitive powers are not acceptable. And the third is, is it acceptable to have an independent regulator with, with regulatory powers? And on that third one, I think the answer is, the answer is, is yes. Um, so just to, to talk about those, in terms of the standards, I said I think there are differences between data protection standards um, and, and what one, one might say, well, this is a broad approach to respecting rights to privacy, and that some of those very codified standards and rules really are not applicable within this regime, within that, that dichotomy. Secondly, I think, when you are looking at the regulation of freedom of expression, you are not just looking at data protection rules. Freedom of expression interfaces with a whole raft of other values and, and concerns. If you look at the press complaints, the press complaints code, which probably, I mean, I know it's going to die. I know it's, it's being trashed. It's being trashed. Um, a lot of it, though, is very good. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it on, on, you know, harassment or defamation, on um, protecting rights of minorities, on, on not doorstepping. That all, there's a whole raft of behavioural issues around, around freedom of expression and the use of media. And I don't think that it's sensible just to have data protection standing on its own. It needs to be part of a bigger whole in terms of dealing with how you, how you deal with the challenges of uh, accepting freedom of expression, supporting it, but maintaining other individual rights at the same time. Um, so I think kind of moving on from that, really, oddly enough, we've got to, I'm going to get to more or less the same place that David did. Um, somewhat, I think David is more surprised than anyone else by this, obviously. Um, to say, I don't think that really we need to worry about the regulation of the mainstream press, certainly in the UK. Um, Leveson will come up with some kind of, of tougher self-regulatory scheme. But that sort of scheme is never going to cover all those other areas, all of the blogs, all of the little websites. It is never going to go to it. For one thing, it's paid for by the press, and they're not going to pay to regulate all these, all these things. Um, and, and yet, I would make the point that the standards that we impose for people's uh, exercise of their right to freedom of expression should be the same, irrespective of whether you are the Daily Mail or the Telegraph or your Chris Pounder on Hawk Talk or you're a blogger somewhere else. If you are exercising your right to freedom of expression and in doing so, 
you are impacting upon other people's rights, other people's rights to privacy or to freedom or to autonomy, then you should abide by the same standards. There isn't one set of rules for the rich and powerful, but if you're not rich and powerful, you can do what you want. So I think what we have to do is look at how we deal with, with this great mass of, of media use and freedom of expression that clearly do not fall into traditional press regulation and indeed cannot because we can't, there's no way of, of doing that. Uh, but equally, we're trying to apply the rule-based sets of, of data protection laws. Simply, they are both not sufficient because they don't cover enough areas and they're too detailed because they're too bureaucratic and regulatory. I would say what we need to do is, make, is, is put in wide exemptions for freedom of expression in terms of data protection. But I think they have to be carefully crafted because there are issues such as, for example, security that, that, that one might need to think carefully around how you deal with those. But that the standards that we, that we reach for press regulation, if I can put it like that, should be applicable throughout that domain of putting information out there into the public in terms of what is what is you know what your standards have to have to reach. Um, and I would then go on from that and say for those people who who fall outside the press regulatory regime, which I'm sure we're going to get um, a better one and a tougher one, um, I would actually say yes we should have a regulator. And that regulator could perfectly well be the information commissioner, perfectly well using a lot of their existing powers, but with a specific remit to regulate to a different standard uh, that particular activity. And it seems to me that, that conceptually that could fall within the concepts of the regulation where there is, I think, a recognition that particular sectors or activities might, might have different needs. The one area where I think there is a, there is a real problem is, is the punitive powers of a regulator. Um, there is a real question mark about, about fines and punitive actions in relation to any kind of freedom of expression. So the, the court has, um, the court refused Campbell her success fees on the grounds that it was too high and had a chilling effect. Uh, in the UK, Mosley didn't get his punitive damages, partly on the basis, I mean, I know there's a technical argument about whether it was a tort or not, but, I mean, really it was because there was a concern about the chilling effect of punitive damages uh, in any kind of press, um, in any kind of press environment, and, and Tolstoy, uh, the Tolstoy defamation um, damages were considered, uh, were, were overruled because of the chilling effect. So I think there is a question mark about the punishments that are available and how a regulatory scheme could appropriately work that one would have to work through. Um, and I do realise that given that this is, the, you know, a very bold suggestion that worrying about the punishments is probably worrying about the angels on the head of a pin. But anyway, um, I, I, you know, I think that there are ways forward, but we do need to think outside data protection regulation as it works at the moment for lots of that activity out there, out there on the web. Um, and I'm just going to finish on the right to be forgotten. Not to say anything very sensible, I have to say. But since we are at Oxford, and I don't know if anyone else is, is, is keen on James Fenton, who's a professor of poetry. There's a splendid, a splendid Fenton poem. I can't 
I should have looked it up before I came. Uh, but I just was thinking about a couple of lines of it as I was listening. Um, he said, a man should face what he has been. This is the ideal. This is hard. I think the right to be forgotten is... There are other questions about it. So, and I should say that. Thank you very much.